0: Hey friend, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. This episode is super special. I am interviewing Paulette King, and she is the author of Spirit-Led Sobriety. She is also a fellow Texan, and so I definitely have a special love for her. Um, But besides that, Paulette is a 65-year-old wife, mom, and grandmother who fought the enemies of her soul, Satan and alcohol, for over 10 years and has come out victorious with the unusual leadings of the Holy Spirit. As a retired award-winning editor, she used the inquisitive, analytical mind and never giving up attitude God gave her to literally do whatever it took to find freedom from what she calls alcohol prison. So if you have felt Stuck or like you're struggling in your journey towards sobriety, definitely listen in and listen to some of the ways that God has led her through her own spirit-led journey leading her to sobriety. And um, just be encouraged. This episode, man, I feel the Holy Spirit is just all over it. And I definitely am praying that it is a blessing to you. Hey friend, welcome to Beyond the Booze. I'm your host, Victoria Plummer, daughter of the most high, wife, boy mom, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I know that you are sick of wallowing in shame after another night of binge drinking. I know that you want to quit, but you can't imagine a life without alcohol. My mission is to set you free from the lies fears, and habits that are keeping you stuck in a toxic relationship with alcohol. In this podcast, you'll learn about spiritual growth, personal development, healthy lifestyle habits, and recovery education so that you can start living a life you love. If you're ready to take your power back, grow in your faith, and live a more purposeful life, you are in the right place. Whip up your favorite mocktail. Let's do this. Welcome, Paulette. I am
1: Hi. so excited to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. I feel like I know you. We've been chatting off and on uh, online for quite a while now, so it's it's really fun to meet you face-to-face, so to speak.
0: <laughs> yes. yes, 100%. Yeah, and I just recently finished your book, Spirit-Led Sobriety, which is your testimony of how God has walked you out of the alcohol prison as you've called it Yep. yeah um i'd love to like just kind of dive in you know and and just maybe if you could share a little bit about like when when did you realize that alcohol was a problem for you
1: um yeah so when i realized alcohol was a problem is when I began using it for the drug that it actually is. Alcohol is considered a drug. And um, I had suffered from chronic insomnia for eight and a half years. I had a job that I absolutely loved. I worked from home. My daughter was grown and gone by this point. So I, you know, I was a, a single mom and I loved this job. I didn't have anything else to do. So I just... Even when I wasn't working, I was working. Like, even when I was trying to sleep, my mind was still working. And I would wake up in the middle, well, wake up, I would get out of bed. I'd never really slept. I would get out of bed and walk down the hall to my home office and be zapping off uh, story ideas. I'm a, a, re- a retired editor by trade. And part of my job was to come up with story ideas for future issues. And for whatever reason, I am really good at coming up with story ideas. And so I just could not turn it off. And my boss was just thrilled with my performance. And um, anyway, I developed chronic insomnia for eight and a half years. And when I say chronic, I mean, it was a serious problem. And I ran into a girlfriend from high school after I remarried and we ended up having uh, either lunch or dinner. I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but I was telling her we were just catching up, as you would. And I mentioned my insomnia problem, and she said, well, oh, my gosh, just have a glass of wine. That'll help you relax and fall asleep. And, you know, here's to show you how little alcohol was to me. It never occurred to me to have a drink of wine before going to bed, ever, and right. so I talked it over with my husband Preston, and he's like, "Well, gosh, you tried everything else. Sure, go ahead." Because I had never had a problem, so it was no big yeah. deal.
0: How old were well, you at that point? I'm just curious.
1: Um, let's see. I'm 65. I was probably in in my mid 50s. Okay. Okay. Yeah, or, or between 50 and 55. If, okay. If that's yeah. I can definitely pinpoint it between 50 and 55. And, <clears throat> you know, so I don't know why, but my brain really attached to alcohol as a solution for the sleep problem. Mm. And I know that it was very weird because this addiction or whatever you want to call it, it took hold, Victoria, in about a week, it took about a week, my brain immediately was like, This is the answer. And I would drink, it would help me fall asleep. And, but, you know, alcohol is a stimulant and a depressant. And I would wake up at that, you know, midnight, three, you know. And when I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would literally just drink another glass. I would take it as it was an over-counter aspirin, a Tylenol. That's how my mind viewed it. This is what's working. Take another drink. And um, I remember very clearly going outside one afternoon, about a week after this, and I said, Preston, my, something's wrong with me. My brain is different. And I'm not processing alcohol. Like, something's wrong and it's alcohol and, but I can't stop. It's helping me fall asleep, but I'm, I think I'm drinking too much. And, um, so yeah, that's how I, that's how I got started. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so you, so you realized kind of pretty early on that, like, like it was a problem, like from the get go.
1: Yeah. Within a week. But the thing is, and anybody that's ever suffered from insomnia would understand. Right. Not only could I not stop, I kind of didn't want to, because it was working. Right. I had not really gotten a, any hours of sleep for eight and a half years. And um, I don't know, but I told him about it, but I don't think he really understood how serious it was. Mm-hmm. And I hid my drinking for years and, you know, it's the train only goes one way. And the longer you drink, when you have, when your brain is addicted, the faster the train goes and it only heads in one direction. And I went from drinking, you know, two or three glasses from the time I went to bed to the time I got up for the day to a whole bottle and then it would be like two bottles. And what he didn't know is that when he would go to work, I would still be drinking throughout the day because the quality of my sleep was just so, I was grateful to get even an hour or two, but the quality was so horrible. Mm -hmm. But here I, you know, here was this drink and it was helping me sleep. So I just would drink throughout the day. And then finally, like by two o'clock, I would force myself to stop drinking, take a shower, do hair and makeup because... You know, I wanted to look nice. I hadn't been married. I was a single mom for almost twenty years, and that tells you the, the level of man Preston is for me to give up my happy divorcee lifestyle. I was quite happy being divorced. I had a job I loved. I had great friends. Great church life. Why bring a man into it? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, anyway, the the guilt and shame I felt was horrible. Um I would, when he left for work and eventually I would get up, um, I would collect my empty bottles that I would hide in my black and white polka dot rain boots in my closet. <laughs> or I would hide the bottle under my pillow. I was so ashamed. I mean, the guilt and shame.
0: Right.
1: Um, and self-loathing was the worst. Yeah. Was the worst.
0: And that probably just led you right back to drinking. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. What do you do when you feel bad about yourself? You drink. I mean, you know, and the other problem that really helped um, increase the amount of drinking is, like I said, I was, I was happily divorced by choice for 20 years. Uh, We date a year and a half. We had an old tiny courtship and After we got married, I sold my house, moved in with him. I had no idea he had a snoring problem. That's right. I think I remember that in the book. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, I'm not only did I have chronic insomnia for eight and a half years, but now I'm so happily married to this day. We're on our almost 16th honeymoon.
0: Oh my goodness. Miracle. Miracle.
1: (laughs) True miracle. Um, but, um. After about, you know, maybe a month or so, we just agreed to, you know, sleep in separate bedrooms. I mean, and that's no big deal at our age. Like, who cares? You need to be able to sleep. Right. Well, right. Um, the other thing is I went from a little 12 or 1300 square foot, very tiny, humble home, single mom. That's all I could afford. Loved it. Well... From a secular point of view, people would think, you know, I moved up in the world when I married Preston because it was master plan community. The house was almost 4,000 square feet. And, you know, for people that care about that kind of stuff, good for them. I just was in love with this man and this is happened to be where I was living now. Well, the problem is it was like Stepford wife and I'm totally dating myself. (laughs) Um, nobody ever came out of their house mm-hmm. it's like are there people living in these houses i found it very hard to make friends yeah. i would go out for a walk and everybody either worked if you, if you didn't have a job if you didn't have kids in school or in after school activities it was just impossible to meet and make friends right and you know you're a texan also we texans we're friendly people and it was really hard for me Yeah. You know, um,
0: on top of that.
1: Yeah. um, I was basically retired. Um, When I got married, I uh, was laid off from my job. And, you know, he makes nice money and, you know, I just couldn't find work. And the problem with that is I've got five really good women friends that I've known for over 30 years. Each of them. Mm -hmm. Well, they, to this day are all still working and they all live an hour away. Mm-hmm. So I was so bored. Yeah. And lonely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bored, lonely, insomniac. Yeah. That <laughs> I mean the trifecta, the perfect storm for increasing alcohol. Right. And um <laughs> it was just, it was, it was alcohol prison.
0: Right. No. And you know, that makes me think of a quote I've heard recently and it's um, the alcohol isn't the problem. It's the solution, you know, like, so not saying like it's a good solution, but a lot of times it's, we, that's our solution. So then it makes it like harder to let go of. Um, yeah. But so when did you, actively start like trying or like, you know, decide like, okay, I'm going to like stop drinking. Like how, how long ago was that?
1: <laughs> oh, right. That's what it was. So funny. Uh, <laughs> uh Let me see. Probably nine or 10 years ago is when I went to AA.
0: Okay. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. Um, you know, I went, man, I am an all-or-nothing girl, and I tell you what, I gave it my all. I really did. And I totally understand AA is a great program for a lot of people. But it did not work for me. I tried Celebrate Recovery. I know it's a Christian-centered program. I know it's wonderful. It did not work for me. And you know what? I, I quit beating myself up over that, that those programs didn't work for me. The fact is, God created a lot of people, and thankfully, we're all different. Mm -hmm. And so you just, we're not going to put God in a box. We can't put ourselves in a box either. What works for you may not work for me. And that is freaking okay. You know, Matthew 7, 1 says, judge not lest you be judged. So, you know, I'm not interested in judging anybody, but I also don't want anybody to judge me. Right, You know, and um, I tried so many programs, so many different things. And it's really kind of funny because um, when I look back, I can see how a little of everything I did helped in some way. And the reason I can say that, Victoria, is because... I was noticing longer periods of wellness. I don't like the word sobriety. I like the use, I'm well, I'm not sober. I'm well. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Feels really good to be well these days. Right. But I would notice longer periods of wellness. Mm -hmm. And that was great. But man, when something would happen, and throw me off track. I would go on a binge fest. And I, I really, I can, I feel myself choking up with tears and emotion. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay,
0: take your time.
1: Because I was so happy when I, I was well during those periods. But then when something would happen that would throw me off, I would go on a binge fest. And Victoria, it got so scary for me because I kept thinking I hated myself. I was never suicidal. Okay. I would never, ever take my life ever. But I really became scared for my mental health that I hated myself so much. I mean, I have overcome Two wrong marriages, a miscarriage, uh, four years of unemployment total as a single mother, a uh, date rape, my father was murdered, my mother died from a horrible mess. Things. And I could not understand why can I not get a grip on this? It's freaking liquid in a glass, you know, and... I don't know. I, it is by the grace of God that I just never gave up on myself. I am my father's daughter. And I mean, I just refused to quit trying no matter what, until I died, I was going to keep trying. Mm -hmm. And I almost did die. As you know, from chapter one of my book, my (laughs) stomach turning accident.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, that's something that I realized, like, in like learning about recovery is like, you know, we go through like denial first, like we deny that there's like a problem. And then we go through like the bargaining phase where we're like trying different ways of like quitting. And like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you shared like that. It took nine to 10 years for you to actually achieve it. But like now, now you're well, you know, and you learn something through those periods.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the, you know, I can see the enemy from a spiritual perspective. Satan was mixing cocktails every day for himself, just kicking back, laughing at me. I mean, the lies I believed, I believed it would help me sleep. I believed it would help me relax. Um, everybody else was doing it. So, I, you know, I needed to drink to fit in. Right. Um, I, and I would like, oh, one won't hurt you. And then I would have the one and Satan would be like on me and I'd be like, well, you know, if pardon my language, but I would just be like, it, you know, you've already had one drink, might as well have the whole bottle. Well, you had that bottle you might as well open another one. Cause you, you haven't quite got the buzz yet. You know, I believed all of that stuff for years yeah, for years. And I don't know. I, um, the one thing I will say, and I, I if you don't mind, is one of the things I learned, Victoria, is that, you know, I had a really traumatic childhood. And a lot of people that have addictions have had really hard childhoods and young Mm -hmm. adulthoods. And I was not modeled healthy coping skills Mm -hmm. um, by anybody, not just my parents, but by anybody. And it was only through... um, I did a lot of different therapy that I talk about in the book. I had lots of different types of therapy um, and biblical counseling. And by learning how to manage my emotions without drinking, I would not be well today if I had not learned how to do those things. And yeah, I am a slow learner and I'm just stubborn and you know, thick headed. It took it did take me nine or ten years, but man, December 29th, 2022, in the evening, on the floor, like, um, who was it in the Old Testament? I think it was Jacob. Jacob and God got into a wrestling match. Yes. On the, on, you know, God took me to the mat, man, December 29th of last year. It was not fun. And Did you ever watch the movie, um, I'm sure you have, Terminator, when Arnold Schwarzenegger is coming for the first time and he's like falling down on earth as a baby? On that moment, it was like I had come out of this spiritual warfare nightmare, alcohol prison, all this thing. And when God just, he was just like, enough, enough. I didn't hear his voice, but it was like enough. She is mine. And, and that was it. So it was, it was frightening, but at the same time, I have never felt God's love so strongly in that moment. It was like, I may have accidentally fallen into addiction, trying very innocently, to 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 one more thing to try to help me fall asleep right but i really believe that god allowed me to suffer in a in a way not only from discipline but also love so that he knew he knew he would heal me and i knew he would heal me too because i was gonna die trying um But I really think he allowed me to go through all the things, all of the steps, all of the therapy, all of the weird, I mean, I tried it all, girlfriend, but (laughs) he knew he would heal me and to write this book, not only to give people encouragement, but to also give them some suggestions. You know, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books. I learned everything I could and all of that I share in the book because man, Mm. I want to help people.
0: I hope that this episode blessed you as much as it blessed me. There will be a part two coming out later um, this month. And in the meantime, check the links in the show notes and you will see links to um, Paulette's website, her Instagram, her Facebook community, and definitely check out her book, spirit Sobriety. It's not a super long read, but it's really good. Her story is just, it just hooks you in as soon as you start reading it, in my opinion. Um, and besides that, we also, of course, have our Beyond the Booze Facebook community. Come join us over there and, you know, make some friends, find some support, and I will catch you guys in the next episode. Have a great one.